Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. You know, one spot I really like to start a lot of times, and I think it's good for us um, in some practical understanding, is Hebrews 11. And it's, it's one of my favorites. It's a good reminder of what this life is about, this life of faith, this household of faith, this, this religion, if you will, that, we're, that we are living and embodying in the earth. And maybe Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. It says that faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a, a line out of Star Wars or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a profoundly mystical statement of what faith actually is. Faith is the substance. It's really like the substrate. It's the, it's the flooring. It's the... This building that we're in right here, it's, I, I believe this building is 9,000 square feet, but the floor is this massive concrete slab that had to be laid down first so that everything could be built upon it um, when it was just property and land, you know, and, and even if you park on this side, the big side of the parking lot, you know, you'll see how, how massive the foundation really is to keep it since we're kind of built on a hill. You don't really notice it until you look out the window. But to keep the thing, the building from falling over, you know, this, this, this substrate, this, this foundational floor that's been laid down that is so solid. It's, it's saying faith is that. It's the substance of the things that are hoped for and is the evidence of that which is unseen. Such a, such a profoundly mystical statement, man. It's, it's this foundational reality. It's the way we see everything. In other words, we, we believe in something that is unseen, the kingdom of heaven. And then we lay a foundation for it in our lives, in our decisions, and everything that we do. Kind of like when Noah was building his boat and there hadn't been rain. And people were like, you're kind of crazy. What are you doing? But they didn't think he was crazy once this rain showed up. And the depths of the water out of the deep just started cracking forth onto the earth. You know what I'm saying? But he saw something coming, or he was really being obedient to what he was supposed to do. And he established something in order to receive that which is coming. Now, faith is, is different than this. We think of faith as like a, a launching pad, but really what it really is, I, I believe biblically, is what John the Baptist said about making way in the desert, in the wilderness. It's, it's creating space in order to receive something. You feel me? It's like creating space in your life and in this world. By your decisions, by, by the way we use our time even. When we, when we pray and we connect to the Lord and we open our mind to Him. And, and it's like we create space in our life for the, in anticipation, in hope, as it's saying, that God wants to fill our space with heaven. We're believing in what He has accomplished. And that's what the Bible is saying there. It says, for, for by it the elders, or the ones who went before us, obtained a good testimony but then it says this in, in, in Hebrews eleven three, and I love this one. It says, By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Interesting. It says, by faith. It, it gives us this description of how we're supposed to live and 
and what we're actually creating space for in our life. But this is, Hebrews 11.3 is almost like, this is the way we're supposed to see everything. By faith, we understand. This is the understanding that we've come into as Christians. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, you know? It's like, you know, Christopher sitting over there in the corner. I could, I could show a, you know, a, a five-foot-tall poster of Christopher right now, and I'd say, this is Christopher, is that true? And everybody would be like, yeah, that's him. But it's not really him. That's him in a, in a two-dimensional framed poster. That's the real him, the big handsome fellow over there in the corner who was on the base. You know what I mean? It's, that's the real him. But yeah, this is him too. But that's what it's saying. By faith, we understand that everything that we see and in the universes or the worlds, the cosmos, if you look at that, you know, the way it's written, our Bible is so profoundly mystical and supernatural. It really is. It's kind of been dumbed down and religiositized, you know? Yeah, I think it is. But it's like, the reality of it is, it's like, it's profoundly mystical. And it's what, the, it, what it's saying is, by faith, we understand that everything that we can see, everything that was created, was actually framed in by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. In other words, there's something so much more real than this realm. The creator in his domain is more real than, the, than this plastic matrix of a world. You know, it's not like Stephen Hawkins or even Elon Musk. You know, he used to say he believed that we were, it's quite possible we're living in a simulation. You know, this is a big computer program. And, you know, these guys used to say that. But in a sense, they're actually correct according to the way the, biblical paints, the Bible paints reality. It's saying reality or what we, what we consider or see as reality or creation, it's not that it's not real, but it's not as real as that which is on the outside of it, which created it. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have this ability to create space. We have the ability to... to have this faith and, and attach our hope to the reality of what Jesus says is our inheritance, you know, in his new covenant, this reality, in such a way that we usher it into this realm. Because it says, by faith, we have this understanding that all of this realm and all of this domain, not that it's not real, not that not, not, we're not computer people or robots or video games or whatever that is, you know what I mean? It's just like, but... We are called to usher in a different reality into this reality, which trumps this reality and points people to God. And that's the name of the game. That really is. Jesus said it. Think about when, when the disciples asked, or somebody came, some of his disciples came, <coughs> excuse me, and asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. Hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he says this. It's the prayer we used to say before our basketball games or football games, right? You know, it's like a good, a good luck charm is what it's kind of become. But it was known as the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on the earth the way it is in heaven. And you see that in the very description of that Lord's Prayer, which isn't, it's not, it's not an incantation. He was giving us a format of what prayer is. You come into relationship with who God truly is, our Father who is in heaven. In other words, you have somehow connected to God in the Spirit. You are connected to Him. And not only that, he's your dad. Abba. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Separate be your name from everything which has been attributed to it wrongly. That's what hallowed means. 
May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. Think of this. By faith we understand that the worlds or the planets or, the, or, or, or all of our surroundings were framed in. They're a lesser reality than the reality of the one and his domain whom created it. So we have that. Then we we'll reach over here to, to you know, Luke 11. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. Let us paint this frame inside of this three-dimensional reality, the frame of this reality. May we take heaven and superimpose it into this place. That's what Christianity actually is about. That's the deal, man. Think about it. The first time Jesus ever mentioned church on this rock. Blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Matthew 16. But your Father who is in heaven in the space of the, the, the true reality. And I tell you, you're a stone, but I'm going to tell you this, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell, the inroads of hell, ever since the fall in Eden, have been set up all over the earth, and maybe some before even that, but they're all over the earth, but I'm going to create a people group, an ecclesia, that word means, and, and they're going to come into agreement by faith in this reality, which I will accomplish and have accomplished before the foundations of the earth. And they will route this planet in this world and this domain of the gateways of hell, which flood it. And you're going to take the thing back over by releasing heaven. And it's not that we're going to set up our gates so that the bad guys don't get into our camp. It's that their gates will not prevail against us. It's all offense. The best defense is a good offense. Bang, bang. It's all attack. It's all forward progress with God. It's all forward movement. And the simplicity is the beginning of that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. It is coming into creation, uh, to relationship and connection with Him in such a profound way that we're knowing Him and we're living this life on the earth. This life and this mission. I love it. I love that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our sins and our debts as we forgive everyone who's indebted towards us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. So we, so we see this prayer, and there's, but there's something there. There's a little bit of a catch right there to me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us our, this day our daily bread. Remember what Jesus said to Satan in the wilderness. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about relationship with God. So give us this connection, and we forgive everyone, and we step into your forgiveness. Yeah. It's just like there's something to that aspect of the kingdom of heaven that I believe is, is, is a, it's a missing link to stepping into our calling and purpose a lot of times as humans. Like, I think more than anything else, something that the enemy sows in as far as division and negativity and stuff that stops people from actually fulfilling their purpose and calling is that little verse right there, forgiveness. It's the missing link, man. You know? And he, just, he demonstrated that link. You know, he's getting his beard ripped out. You know what I'm saying? He's getting, you know, he's getting beaten. He's getting whipped. He's having all these issues, and he's getting strung up on a cross completely injustice. Complete injustice. Kangaroo court. You know what I mean? Middle of the night trial. And what's coming out of his mouth? Because I know if I'm writing the movie and Jesus is on the cross, at that point, it's, there's gonna, I'm going to have a limit. It's going to be like, 
that's it. I can't take this no more. And I'm going to Darth Vader choke every Roman soldier. And I'm going to lift them all up in the air and just catch them on fire. You know what I mean? I don't know. But, but that, that wasn't what he did, is it? What did he say? He said, forgive them because they don't know. I'm like, dude, forgive them they don't know. That's the essence of the power in the heart of God. That's the essence of your true identity. You've been created in the image of God. That's what Genesis says. And that's the, the missing link of, of the identity of all mankind is the right to knowledge so that they can judge. Remember, that was the tree. Eat the tree of life, not the tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's like, now we choose the knowledge of good and evil so that we can judge who's right and who's wrong, what's good and what's evil. That was the poison of the fall that poisoned humanity. But the tree of life had none of that in him. Even in his darkest, most painful point, he's saying, they don't know. Forgive them, they do not know. And I'm like, they know. He's like, they do not know. No, they know, man. I'm telling you, they've been plotting this for a long time. They've been planning to do this. They set up false witness. They know. They know. But he still chooses to see even the ones that are the most violent, the most angry, the most using him, spitefully abusing him, as they actually don't know. In other words, if they truly knew who they were, he's saying they're all poisoned. They are drunk with the poison of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I will not hold this against them. And it's just like, golly, how brilliant is that? He never would. He told his disciples before he went to the cross in John 14, he says, the ruler of this world is coming, talking about Satan, but he has nothing in me. You know, the ruler of this world is coming. He's going to press every button in me to try to get me to turn on you guys, but I will never turn on you. And this is the wrath of God. And this is the judgment of God. That is the judge yelling. They don't know. They're innocent. I, uh, the verdict is innocent because of ignorance. They don't know. And it's like, whoa, that's good news, man. That's good news. But it's also the source of your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us your daily bread. That's the connection, the relationship. Give us this connection. Give us this relationship that causes heaven to flow out of us into earth. And we forgive no matter what. That was the game. See, in, in Luke 17, Jesus says something to some people that I think the Pharisees were always, we'll read 17, Luke 17 backwards. The Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus to say stuff in order to get him thrown in jail and get him his shut up and then potentially to try to kill him. That, that was their goal. And one thing that they said to him concerning the kingdom of heaven coming into the earth, which is what, what, what we're called to live, um, in Luke 17, verse 20, it says, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when would the kingdom of God come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. In other words, like it doesn't come by watching and waiting for it. You got all, they were all religious scholars. Many of them had the Torah memorized, the first five books of the Bible. I mean, they were high-level scriptural teachers and scholars. And, and, and so they're trying to plot when's the time frame, you know, when's this and that. And he says the kingdom actually doesn't come with observation, which means sitting around and waiting. He says, nor will they say, look here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And I love this verse. 
And so often we think about this as like, well, yeah, we're the good guys. We're not the Pharisees. They're rascals. Come on, right? We're the real Bible-believing Christians, you feel me? And so like, yeah, of course the kingdom's within us because we said the sinner's prayer, or got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or maybe we got dunked under, or maybe we got sprinkled. I don't know, but we're not them. But Jesus isn't saying that by anybody's works or understanding. He's literally saying the kingdom is within you to people who are trying to set him up in his words. Now that's controversial. They don't believe he's who he is. They are trying to trap him. And he's literally looking at them saying the kingdom is within you. In other words, the hum God transforming himself, that Philippians 2, like he... God coming into this human form, he's done so much more than just becoming a human or, or in the likeness of a man. He's gone inside of humanity and deposited something. Just as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil deposited a poison that reached all humanity, now the tree of life has come embodied. And if you can see it, he's deposited something into all humanity. Light. His life was the light of men, says in John 1. Some of these things are controversial, but it's just because people don't know the Bible very well, honestly. But the, the reality is he's telling them the kingdom was within them. And he's telling the Pharisees, like, you won't see it by observation. It's actually on the inside of you. In other words, it doesn't come by lying and waiting, and watching and waiting. It comes by letting it out. And he's telling this to people who are absolutely crooked. How about that? He's talking to his family, if you can see it, that he loves, even though they're against him. He's letting them feel and see his essence. He's speaking truth into their life that will never not go away from them. And he said, it's, already, it's inside of you already. Saul, Saul, who are you persecuting? You know, why are you kicking against the goads? It's like, you're fighting for the wrong team, Saul. I've already done something irreversible and you're, you're one of mine too. You just don't know it yet. Controversial. But the Bible's full of it. I need to stop saying controversial because it's just the truth. It's just the way that it is. It, it, can't, it really can't be argued. It can be, but the arguments can be shot straight to the ground real quick. And it's like, man, this, this reality that Jesus is telling them, hey, it's already within you. You're like, oh my gosh, it's within them, but, but it's not in lying in wait. And the fact that they are so offended by him. They're so offended at his person that they cannot see that Abba is sitting there with them. Remember, he says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They can't see that their dad is, is, is on a rescue mission to save all of their lives while they're trying to take his life. You know what I mean? They can't see that stuff, but he knows it. And he loves them through it. You know, He's just healed, if you read it backwards, he's just healed 10 lepers, which I think is absolutely wonderful as well. So right before he's asked that question, Luke 17, 11, He's going to Jerusalem. He passed through Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood far off. And they list, lifted up their voices because obviously they had heard of him. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. To which Jesus says something very interesting to them. He, just, he shouts back at them, ten of them, because lepers had to live in a little colony. They weren't allowed to be around people. And if they walked anywhere close to people, they had to cover their mouth and yell unclean. That was the law. But what he tells them, they're shouting at him. He shouts back at them, go show yourselves to the priests. Which we think like, that's, that's a weird instruction. Please heal us. He's like, yeah, go show yourselves to the priests. What is that? See, a leper, they never got healed. 
But within their law, in order for them to get healed, especially if it was a false alarm, it ended up just being a sunburn that had a blister on or something, you know, they had to be separate from everybody. And that's real now. Some of y'all snickering about that, uh, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, before they could actually even come around and be back when, within the regular population, they had to go before the priests and be pronounced ceremonially clean. And then they could come back into the congregation or the people of Israel. They could be around people again. And so Jesus, they're asking him for something, and he's telling them, basically he's yelling at them and say, basically, yeah, he's not even saying, you're healed, he didn't shoot a magic beam at him, he just said, basically, go show yourself to the priest as if you're better. Like, go back to him to present yourselves clean. You know what I mean? Think about that. It's like, hey, live, listen to my voice, and live or act or move as if you have what you asked from me. That's what he tells them. Just, just walk the process out of, of receiving what, I've, what you're asking for. Because in his heart, it's such a yes. The answer is such a yes. You know what I mean? Somebody with leprosy in the beginning of Mark shows up to Jesus, and Jesus walks up and touches the guy. Now, that was illegal, and so Jesus would have had to be out until he could show himself to the priest, but he kind of broke that rule. Boss can break that rule. And they said, the person said, hey, if you are willing, you can make me clean. To which Jesus said, oh, I'm fully willing. Like, oh, my whole heart is for, is for you to be whole. See, we have it in our mind. Well, God can do it. He gives and he takes away this, this false folly that Job believed. But it's like, the reality is like, no, 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 I'm not. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give life. Like, oh, I'm fully on, on board with that. As a matter of fact, I'll touch you. You're rejected. You're humiliated. You're... You feel disgusting and ashamed, and I will actually physically handle and touch your person like somebody that loves you more than their own self, and I will take that away from you. And he did. So these guys, he doesn't touch, he doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, just go show yourself to the priests. Go live as if, listen to my voice and live as if you have what you're asking me to have. Live as if you know my will, believe in my covenant, and build the substrate, the substance which receives that which is of the kingdom. In other words, you actually make space to receive what I've given to you in your life by following through and walking out what, I'm, what, I, what my heart is towards you. I love it. It says, so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. That's just one verse. Luke 17, 14. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine 10 lepers? And I don't know the stages of how much one, one of them's nose fell off or, you know, it's a really gross, nasty disease, man. But it's like as they were on their way, their, their, you know, their face was coming back on themselves. Their, their, their finger digits, which would fall out, they're coming back, their feet. You know, and I, I wasn't there. I can't see it. But, you know, just using your imagination, that means that these 10 people in different various stages of leprosy were being healed as they followed through on what he asked them to do. As they actually planned walked and positioned himself as if they were going to receive what he had. You know what I'm saying? I, I absolutely love that. They were all cleansed. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice and glorified God. He returned back to Jesus. And he fell down on his, fa on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So he wasn't Jewish. He wasn't raised. At, he didn't do Sunday school. You know what I mean? He wasn't... He wasn't he wasn't one of them. And the one person came back to give thanks for what he did. And I love that. And Jesus is like, hmm, were there not ten of you cleansed, but there's only one. The foreigner comes back. 
Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? That's verse 18. Hey, there's an Easter egg right there for a lot of people that didn't know it and some people still don't know it. Was there not anybody that returned to give glory to God? What's he saying? I'm him. You know what I mean? By you coming down, laying at my feet and thanking me, you're giving glory to God. That's the I am, just like he said in John 8. I am that I am. Before Abraham was I am. That's him. People didn't know that. Even the disciples didn't fully know that until the end. But it's like they, he recognized he came back to give glory to God. And it's like, but there was also this picture of just like, hey, man, like he came and he found, he, he truly knew the source. The foreigner wasn't brainwashed by the religious machine to where like he came to the priest and got, got green light to be back. And so, hey, we're back in it and just plug right on in it. But do you think Jesus, you know, the God machine. But do you think Jesus knew that only one would come back and give him thanks? Yeah, I do too. And did that deter him from wanting those people to be whole? No, because nothing that he does is conditional, is it? He is love all the time. Wow, and that's the image of whom we're created in. You know what I mean? So all these little pictures. And then the Pharisees get around him and like, oh, tell us about the kingdom of God. When does it come? Let's trap him. It's like, hey, it's inside of you guys. You're just too spun around backwards and offended to be able to see it. You can't see it. It's right there. We'll go backwards one more time in that story. Luke 17. So now we'll go to 17.3. So before this happens, before they, they run into the lepers, the lepers kind of interrupt this conversation that we're about to read. And before the Pharisees come and try to trap him in his words, and he gives us that brilliant reality of what it means to, that the kingdom is within us, and um, it comes by being released. He gives us what I believe is, is the absolute most beautiful key and brilliant key for so many of, of, of what's the missing link from stepping into that level of authority and power in their life. And he says this to his disciples. He's walking with them. I can just imagine this conversation happening. They're walking in towards the Samaritan city and towards Galilee when all these lepers come. So they're on a journey. So they had a lot of time just to shoot the stuff with them and just talk back and forth. And like, so they're, they're literally walking with him and he's like, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, re- rebuke him, like confront him for it. And if he repents and he apologizes, forgive him for it. In other words, like, look, man, if stuff happens between you with people and if somebody wrongs you and it's messed up, what's important is not like burning the bridge because that's, that's how I used to be, to be honest, in my life with people. Especially, especially when I was like young, even before I was like a Christian or whatever. Like I would, see, I would always be like, yeah, people will show you their true colors eventually. You know what I mean? And when they do, it's, it's, don't worry about it. It's just good to know. And then you cut them out. You know what I mean? And so a friend, if a friend didn't stand up for me or wasn't down for me or something like in some way that I felt that should have been or was wrong, I'd be like, well, that's good to know that that person is dead to me. I don't, I don't care. And I thought that was the way to be. But he's saying something very much opposite here. He's saying, if somebody wrongs you, stick up for yourself or communicate to them. Give them the opportunity to repent because what's important is for you guys to stay in relationships. That's what God wants. He's like, hey man, if something's wrong, don't, don't don't leave the elephant in the corner of the room every time you're around them. It's like, hey, just communicate. I know I'm being a little tight, but you know, you said this about my mama the other day, and, and 
said I was kind of, you know, white trash and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, you know, whatever you have to say, right? <laughs> get it right. And if they're like, you know what, I didn't mean that. I thought we were just joking. No, it's cool. It's okay. I, I know that's not your heart. You know, like, terrible example. But <laughs> give me a break already. You know what I mean? Look. No, so it, it's like basically it's important to be in relationship and to fix things instead of just holding on to be like, well, I don't even like him anyway. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Get it out. Get it open. Be in relationship. That's what this thing's about. You're going to need each other. Yeah. Take heed to yourself if he sins against you. And if, and if he repents, forgive him. But then he, then he really takes up the notch, takes it up a few notches right here. He said, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you and says, hey, I'm sorry, I repent, then you still need to forgive him. <laughs> now that's another level. Not if it's seven times in your life. Jesus is making a point. If somebody comes to you seven times in the same day, which I'm not the sharpest knife, but I'm raising my hand in the back of the disciple class. I'm like, hey, man. If they do it five times in a day, or seven times, and they come back and apologize, doesn't that mean they don't really apologize? Like, Isn't that evidence that they actually don't turn from that way? <laughs> isn't that evidence that that's just who they are and you need to cut them off? But Jesus is making that point because that's absolutely what that means. He's telling these guys, and don't get caught up on the numbers thing. People do that sometimes. But he's saying, hey, there's never an excuse for you not to release forgiveness. No matter, even if it's insincere, because obviously seven times a day is insincere. They keep, oh, sorry about that. Sorry to insult you. Hey, sorry I insulted you. It's like, yeah, it's cool. It's going to happen in 10 minutes. So get out of my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but, it, but it's, it, it's, it's really just like, even if it's insincere, it's so vital and crucial for you to have forgiveness in your heart no matter what and not to hold things against people. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's another level of being unoffendable. That's like, forgive them they do not know. Yeah. That's like, bless those who curse you, he says this in Matthew 5. You know, be, do good to those who spitefully use you. It's like, what? It's like, wait a minute now. It's like, yeah. If somebody slaps you in the cheek, turn the other way. It's like, no, I took Krav Maga class. That's not, how you, that's not what you do, man. It's like, no, if, if, if somebody smacks you in the cheek, you turn the other one. It's like, whoa, what is this? But the reality is there's a key here about walking in authority. That when you're walking in your true identity, you have so much more authority to actually absorb contact. That it will not affect you the way it will when you're weak and offendable and walking in spiritual immaturity. Offense is a sign of spiritual immaturity. It is very weak. It is soft. Yeah. It is not like the king. But there's something to the cross that's paid for us to step into a level of healing to where we're not walking around wounded. So pokes and jabs from things and people and situations, they don't take us to a dark place. He's called us to step to the same place that he lived when he said the ruler of this world comes. Satan's coming but he has nothing in me. He's going to try to pull my beard out. He's going to whip me. He's going to mock me. He's going to put a fake crown on my head through all you people, but I will never strike you guys back because I know it's not really you. It's like, oh my gosh. But it is you. They're going to spit in your face. Caiaphas is going to, they're going to slap you. You know, like they're going to do these mean things. And it's like, it's not really them. I know who it is. It's the poison. It's not really them. It's like, wow. So you can live in a level of forgiveness. His posture is forgiven. forgiveness. There's a scripture that says he was crucified before the foundations of the earth, right? Yeah, it's from the book of Revelation. It's like, 
This reality that he was crucified outside of time and space in this eternal domain is, yeah, that's true, but it's also that the forgiveness of God was already settled before man was even created. That's a wild thought, but it's, a, it's the Bible, and you guys are all intelligent, most more than me probably. So it's like it's interesting to chew on these things and understand like, wow, this stuff has been in front of our eyes for all time. You know what I mean? It's amazing. And it's like we can have this posture of forgiveness that he had to we're not offendable, and that results in power. And I'll show you that. Because he goes on and says, hey, you've, if, if the, seven times a day, even if, they don't, even if they don't mean it, you're still called to forgive them. He knew it's more damaging to you to hold on to unbelief. It will limit your function. You will not be the agents, the sons and daughters, the peacemakers, the, the light bringers that you're called to be. So he says this to disciples, if, even seven times in one day. And this, I love their answer right here, man, because it shows how much they are like us. Or like they're, they were normal people, you know? It says, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> He's like, no matter what, you have to forgive people. And then there they were, a bunch of needy charismatics at the prayer line with their hands out, saying like, you're going to have to give me an impartation, some spiritual impartation to do that. I'm a needy... I'm a needy, charismatic, overly spiritual person, and you've got to impart like faith to me so that I can actually be this way. It was so contrary to their mind. That hits, dude. But it was so contrary to their mind and like their way of thinking. Like They instantly thought, that's officially going to be impossible to me. Because him saying that, I promise you, it's just like when we are walking with him in our life. These sayings, these things come up in our heart, and we think it's the devil. Get behind me, Satan. It's a memory of somebody from the past. It's a memory of somebody that's done you wrong. It's the memory of some, or it's the thought of somebody that might be doing you wrong right now. There's turmoil. There's inflammation that's in the heart or in the mind. And a song will, will, will you'll, you'll hear a song on the radio and it'll trigger it. You know what I mean? You're minding your own business. And you're mowing the grass and you're just thinking about, man, I, I wish I would have hit that guy back in eighth grade. Man, I could have turned things around. He should have never done that. Uh, man, my mom kept me out of my dad. You know, all these little things. And we all oh, the devil's in my mind. It's like, it's like, no, the light bringer's in your mind. And he's, and he's bringing you to a place of maturity and saying, hey, release forgiveness to where you are wronged. Release forgiveness and it will unlock you to move forward. You know? The past has no right to bleed itself into our life now. It should not. It should not, but it does, and it controls and it limits the development and the understanding of mankind from stepping into his calling of what he's truly called to be, the images of God that release heaven on the earth, that live the Lord's Prayer on your kingdom come, your bit in us and through us, this daily bread, this connection. Well, I'm not hearing the Lord. I don't hear the Lord's voice. I it's like that's the simple part. We don't have to go through all the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures constantly about why the new covenant is a covenant of relationship. That's easy to do. The reality is a lot of times people don't hear, they don't have clarity with him because there's a fence in the heart and it's blocking, it's taking up room. And those things come up and it's him doing it. And the, and the understanding is not there to say, oh, I'm, I st I'm still wounded. I still feel the pain or my chest sinks a little bit when I have that random memory. And I need to go and I say, hey, I forgive Joe for what he did there. He did not know but I think he did know. Nope. I forgive him. He didn't know. And it might be once a day. It might be once a week. It might be once a year, but it, it works, man. It works. The Lord will have you pray sometimes. He's had me do this one time when I was really 
taken advantage of and used by somebody, lost a bunch of money and ministry, all kind of stuff was going on. Really big wound that happened to me a long time, about 10, 12 years ago, 12 years ago. And I was, he walked me through this. It's like, hey, you've got to walk through forgiveness. And I was like, all right, I forgive him. I forgive him. You know what I mean? Next, it's like, no, 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 no. He said, well, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to pray for that person. Ah, what do you want me to pray for? Pray for him what you would want somebody to pray for you. Well, what I want for myself is that I would be found, that I would know your voice, that I would be found faithful to you in alignment with your plans and purpose. And if anything, in any way that I got off track, that you would help, that I would see it and get on track with you. I want to fulfill and walk in everything you have for me. He said, yeah, that sounds like a good, uh, good, good one for your buddy there, for your brother. It's like, okay. Wow. So bless those who curse you. Pray for those. Imagine that. Imagine saying that in a room full of people and everybody's mind, memory sparring something. Like, I felt burnt by this situation or that situation. Or this, man, this came up to me this week or that came up to me that week. Boom, 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 my aunt, my uncle, my dad, my, my mom, my stepdad, or my, my football coach, my, my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend, my... And the Lord's saying, yeah, 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 good, good, good. So, all right, so now let's walk through forgiveness um, in the place. Walk through forgiveness in your heart, and I release them. And ask for me to heal that spot that's wounded within you. Oh, yeah. Three steps. Forgive them. Bless them or pray for them. And ask the Lord to fill the wound and heal it so that you're whole. That's the process, man. It's not a formula, but it's the process. This way we live. You know, Jesus goes on there. Of course, they're like, Lord, you've got to increase our faith. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. I'm in the prayer line. Impart it to me. To which he, he tells the most hilarious story. If y'all want to hear it, we'll close with it. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea and it will obey you. What's that saying right there? Increase our faith. You don't need faith. It doesn't take much faith. Well, I can't uproot trees. It's like, yeah, well, it doesn't take much faith to do it, but, but you don't have the authority to do it. You're not walking in the authority you're called to do, called to as my imagers, because of unforgiveness and stuff that's clogging your drain. So you're not flowing the way you're called to flow. And he says this. This is funny. Which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's coming from the field, come in at once and sit down to eat? In other words, which, which one of you are going to treat your servant like your master? You know what I mean? Somebody that's hired to work for you. All right, come on in and set a plate, set their food before him and wait on him like a waiter. Um, he's like, but will not he rather say to him, all right, come on in. Prepare my supper and gird yourself until I've eaten drunk and all these things. And it says, does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I don't think so. So likewise, when you've done all those things which you're commanded, then you say, hey, we're unprofitable servants. In other words, we haven't, we haven't done anything we weren't paid for. We've done what our duty was to do. It's just like, <laughs> I love that he, he, he throws that there and it's just kind of like, man, that's kind of rude, but it, it's not because you know it's coming from him. But he, he's saying like, hey, when somebody does their job, they get paid for their job. You know what I mean? 
it's just like if somebody does their job, you actually you, they get paid for it, and, and it's like, hey, we've done our job. I'm I'm not making a profit. Like we've done what our job was to do. And he's giving him this like kind of stern. This, like you don't see him stern with the disciples much, but in this thing, he's telling he's being really stern. Like hey, like you you got to increase our faith. And it's just like no, you got to do your job. This isn't. I'm not asking you. This is what you should do, and I'll help you do it. He's saying this is what you do. You catch that? He's like. Oh, I don't want to forget. He, he's like, no, no, no. Like, there's not, there's not a if and or but. This is the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us as we forgive those who forgive. You know what I mean? He's telling them, like, this is how this thing works. This is how this works. This is your job. This is not a negotiable. I'm not gonna. No charismatic prayer line. You, you have the ability to do this. You have the ability to forgive. Even when you're wounded and offended, you have the ability to communicate between you and yourself and Lord, I choose to forgive them. And I ask you to heal me where that wound was. And I ask that. And I pray for them and I bless them. And he's telling them, this is the missing link. This is the place where you're actually called to move into, to step into the authority. And I believe this is the missing link of, of so much of what we have in the scriptures. There's so many times, I'm going to flip, maybe I'll, I, said I, I said I was closing, but I'll close with this. How about that? I wasn't trying to tell a lie right there. You know what I mean? Um, but this is when, when Jesus, you know, when he, when, he, when he cursed that fig tree, right, which was a representation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, it, it, representation of the religious, the religious system in Israel, because that's what Adam and Eve used to cover themselves with those fig leaves. The disciples were freaked out about it, like, dang, you, you cursed that thing yesterday and it's, and it's gone, you know? And he says, listen, have faith in God. Assuredly, I say to you, this is very similar to the mustard seed. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And this is the verse that's beautiful and it's concerning faith and ushering heaven into the earth. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Think about that. Go show yourselves to the priests, right? To those, to those guys. Believe that you have what you're asking me for and just live like you've got it. Walk, move in the direction of receiving what, I, what you're wanting from me. And that's what he's saying there. Therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Again, that's an amen. Right. Um, but it's like, hey, you know, believe you receive I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be asking for them if I believed that I had them. That's the way we think in our mind. But he's, it's like, allow yourself to believe in receiving them. In other words, go show yourself to the priests. Ask for it, believe in my will, and actually live and imagine and, and attach your faith to that reality. That's the foundation. It pulls the thing into your life. And I love that verse because it sounds like, oh, we're at like, oh, we had a new age conference, bro. You know, it's, it's like, no, it's the Bible. And they all try to rip it off, you know. But believe that you have what you ask for and you'll receive them. But there's a second portion to that verse, to that, to that quote. There's an and right there. Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. That your Father in heaven will also forgive your trespass. Boom. One of those scriptures has become insanely uh, popular in these past few years. Over the whole world. 
but the second one has not. And it's the missing link. You catch that? Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you've received it and you will have it. Tony Robbins loves it. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people love it. You know what I'm saying? It's like believing the goodness of God and that he wants you to have this and live in a way that receives what he wants you to have when you stand and pray. But Jesus, there's an and right there, just like there's an and in the Lord's Prayer. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against somebody, forgive them. Not if somebody has something against you, you know. You definitely have to make that right. But if they have something against you and it's wrong, you don't. It's saying, but if you have anything, what's he saying? He's like, but unforgiveness will block you from stepping into this reality. That's what he's saying. That's what he says in the Lord's Prayer. That's what he's demonstrating to his disciples in Luke 17. It's just like, hey, no, this is actually your job. If you're going to be here, see the thing about forgiveness, it's not like it's something we choose, but it's, it's an aspect of God that we abide. We've talked about abiding in the Lord. It's an aspect of the nature of the Lord that we abide in. It's we choose that we will never withhold our forgiveness. Why? Because that, to withhold it, causes more damage to us than it will ever do to them. It just does. It's true. I was talking to a buddy of mine as a businessman, and not from Tyler, so I can use his story. You know what I mean? But he was going through something, uh, business stuff, and man, they always go. Some, many of you probably go through this type of stuff. And, uh, but it was, it was a lot of financial stuff, and, and it was just like, my, but my advice to him was like, all right, well, first thing, here's the counsel. Um, the strategy of the Lord, it's like, you got to release forgiveness there. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, I know, buddy, but this is the way that it works. And you actually need to pray for the, for the, for the guy that's doing that and the, the other businessman. You know, you have, to, you have to actually release that. And it's like, oh, I was like, I know, but it's doing something in you. And that's what's important to unlock. The matrix is, it is what it is. Money's at the, you know, go catch a fish and it'll be in its mouth. Marie told Peter that. It's like, that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is the heart above everything and knowing his voice. We don't want to stop our ears to knowing his voice because we're not abiding in forgiveness. And we don't want to stop ourselves from living in a place of authority to bring heaven into the earth the way he's told us to pray and, and do. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I was like, look, this is, this is the way. And I told him I've had to do it several times. And, and, it gets easier. It's, it's, it becomes actually your nature. And by doing that, you also disentangle yourself from the darkness that you're receiving from people doing unjust things. It's like this is how you separate from it. To not release forgiveness actually keeps you connected to it. And then that eventually will shape your person. And it's not, re it's not you. Yeah. Believe you have what Jesus wants you to have and take care of your heart above all things. Whenever you stand praying in your connection to him, make sure you are in the same posture as the son, which is forgiven. They don't know no matter what. It doesn't mean you don't stand up for yourself, that you're a doormat, that you don't create healthy boundaries. All those things are very valuable, you know, but it's, it does not you know, wounds and, 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 and those and, and bitterness and, and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have the right to shape your heart to take place in you and limit you unless you allow it to. Yeah. Say la. So Lord, we thank you for forgiveness. I thank you that he who forgives much loves much. And you've called us to actually step into the same love that you have for all of us. 
And even right now, as I know, you, you bring to mind inflammation. If there's people listening to this here or just listening to it online or whatever that looks like, I thank you that you, you are leading in truth and you're a light to our path and you, are, you bring stuff up. It's not the devil because your desire is wholeness and freedom. And if there's people and things and even scenarios of pain in the past that are still reaching up, having an influence on your people, I know that you want those things severed. So right now, together as a family, or even by ourselves in, the pre in your presence, we choose to release forgiveness. And don't feel bad about taking a minute and just doing it. Release forgiveness to those who've harmed you. And Lord, we, we pray for those people. We pray for those scenarios. We pray for even what you would, what, what are called our quote-unquote enemies, because no man's our enemy. And uh, that reality that you say, hey, we ask that even the people that are indebted to us and have sinned against us, that they would be found in you, that they would awaken. If they've got off track, that they would get back on track with you, whatever that looks like, that they would fulfill their purpose in you, because we certainly want to walk that way ourselves.